Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today. I so appreciate you. You are so incredible, so amazing, and so worth it. I really, really appreciate getting to be with you each week as we come together and we talk about how to live as a thriving entrepreneur. There's two elements to it, right? There is the element of, you know, living and thriving in our business. But it all starts actually from the early element, and that's about having a great life. Both of those two things have to come together in order to really, truly thrive in your business, in your life. They, they, you just can't separate them. Not really. I know we try. I know sometimes we even maybe do a good job of distancing ourselves from you know, work interfering with family and family interfering with work. But let's be honest. If you have horrible things going on at home, it's going to spill over into your work. It doesn't matter whether you're the owner of the company or you are the whatever lowliest realm, you know, rung on the, uh, in the company ladder is. When things are difficult at home, it makes work more difficult. That isn't saying that you can't be very diligent and do those kind of things, but it adds stress, it adds pressure, it adds more to that, right? Um, addition, you know, um, or conversely, if you will, the the opposite is true as well. When things are going not well, bad even, at work, it impacts your home life. You may try really hard to hold it in, to fight it, to keep from letting the people in your life see it and know it's true. But you're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling yourself. And you're not fooling the people that really truly know you. They see you. They get it. They know that you're going through some stuff. And what they really want to do is help you. Those people in your life that know you, that love you, that spend their days with you, they would love to support you, to encourage you, to help you, to maybe even in some respects take the burden off of you. So why do we carry it all ourselves? Why do we create horrible situations for ourselves when we don't have to? And conversely, when we're at work, when there are tools to help us be more effective and more impactful with what we do at work, it would be ludicrous for us to not use those. So there's basically three parts of that. There is your home life. There are the tools to help you manage your home life better. So I said three, really four would be a better way of saying it. And then there is your work life making a good, positive, and happy work life. And then there are tools 
that can help you effectively and powerfully do better in your work life. And when we bring all of those together into a powerful package, we can then talk like we're going to today about systems, tools, and processes to live your best life ever. There are systems to up-leveling yourself so you have the best you and your best life so that you live heaven on earth. There are systems, processes, and tools to help you manage your finances, your health, all of those kind of things. And there are systems, processes, and tools to help your company run more smoothly and to share your message with the world. All of those come together into a wonderful bundle that helps you have the tools to live your best life ever. Are you ready to jump into that? I hope that you are because I want to help you today to learn how to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to jump right into some exciting guests here on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to WeHelp youthrive.com check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today welcome back to thriving entrepreneur this is steve welcome back thanks for listening to thriving entrepreneur today as we work on teaching you the tools to be able to live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Hope you have pen and paper and are ready to take some notes because we're gonna jump in with some amazing guests now. The question often becomes, how good is your life right now? Um, and a lot of us uh, have heard the phrase, it's like living hell on earth. But mm -hmm. what if you could live heaven here on earth? To help us with that today is the author of the international bestseller, I am living heaven on earth, Melissa Drum, to talk to us about how we can do that. Hey, Melissa, how are you doing today? Hi, Steve. I'm so good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. You're staying safe and well? Um, I am doing my best. Thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, you know, just working away. So yes. uh, tell us a little bit about your background and what got you to this point. Okay, so um, my... My husband and I own a floor covering company and we have two children 
And I took a step back um, about five years ago to really focus on um, our children's um, being the mom for our children and taking care of our home and all of those duties that come along with that. And little did I know I was going to become a massive seeker and I would spend about four hours a day in the car with my children, driving them around for all their sporting events. And I would listen to audible after audible, after book, after book. And it consumed me for as consumed who I was. I just didn't know why I kept listening to all these things and why I kept seeking for all these answers. And then one day I was um, in my, one of my yoga classes and I looked at my girlfriend and I said, Sylvia, I said, I am living heaven on earth. And she goes, why do you keep saying that? And I said, well, that's how I feel. And that was how the journey began. Um, and then it's been just a magical journey since. So that's um, where I'm at today. That is so awesome. Mm -hmm. So you talk about the misunderstanding of mm -hmm. Exodus 3.14 and Matthew 6.10. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with that, can you give us a, a general idea of what those two verses say? Absolutely. So Exodus 3.14 is, I am that I am. And then it goes on to say, let the weak say that I am strong. And then Matthew 6.10 states, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you put those together, basically it means whatever you put behind I am is what shapes your reality is what I learned through all of the books that I did. Um, but you put Exodus 3.14 and Matthew 6.10 together and they equal I am living heaven on earth. Mm, that's good. So what does it look like to live heaven on earth as opposed to the hell on earth that a lot of people <laughs> let themselves live in? Well, you know, I've, I've been in very dark places and times in my life as well. But I think that's probably why I, became such a seeker. I watched my mom really suffer a lot in her life. I watched my mother-in-law suffer a lot. Um, so I really wanted to figure out the deeper answers to life that I knew had to, there had to be possible. Um, so what does that look like to, to um, live heaven on earth is, you know, I, I guess you come to a place of understanding um, and you really understand all the thoughts that go on in your mind and you're able to differentiate what's going on in your head and you're um, really just being led and guide, guided along your journey and um, just having a peace that is so beautiful. Um, there have been several experiences that I talked about in the book that um, kept reaffirming me that I was living heaven on earth and this was, um, there were so many experiences that just kept happening to me and I was like, okay, okay. Cause for the longest time I was like, this is, this is crazy. Like people are going to think that I'm crazy. And, um, God just kept saying, Melissa, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is the story that you're supposed to be telling the world. And he kept giving me confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. So, um, finally I, he, I was just like, I have to share this story with the world. So, that's what I did. I put it all, all of my thoughts and things that were happening to me over the last couple of years in this book. Um, and I never would have thought that I would have written a book. It was never my wildest dreams. Reading and writing were my worst subjects, subjects in school. So 
it was definitely a soul calling for me to put this together um, and stepping out on faith and getting out of fear. That is so huge because so often we live in that fear space. So um, there are so many great tap, uh, topics, tips in your book about how to be in faith rather than fear. Um, maybe this isn't a fair question, but what is your one of your favorite tips on how to move out of fear and into faith? Mm. Probably um, Gabrielle Bernstein's. She was one of the authors that I, I did all, all six of her books. And she talks a lot about getting out of faith. I mean, getting out of fear and living on faith. And let's see if I can remember her quote exactly is, and I have it in my phone, um, a reminder in my phone every day. And it says, um, Oh, shoot, I don't know if I can remember it at the moment. Um, choose love over fear. Choose, that's it. Choose love over fear is what she would say. And I put that in my phone. I put it in my kid's phone and my husband's phone um, for the longest time. I lived in fear. I was, I was afraid to step out of my comfort zone. And there was a book that I also did that talked about um, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. And I kept pulling at me and I was like, I've got to get out of the boat. I have to get out of the boat because I want to walk on water. I want um, more out of life than what I had experienced so far. And I knew there was more to life than what I had seen from how others were living. I love that phrase. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. Wow, we could just dive into that for the rest of the day. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what keeps us, I mean, what keeps us stuck in the boat? Why don't we take that step? I think a lot of people are, are stuck in their current circumstances. Um, some people feel trapped along their journeys. Um, right now, so many people are probably having a lot more time on their hands. They're not feeling that as much. I'm, I'm really hoping that um, a lot of people are gonna be able to transition to maybe walk, get out of their own boat through all this that's going on in the world at the moment. But um, what holds us there, I feel like, you know, I'm not really sure what holds some people there. Um, the number one regret of the dying is that people do not end up fulfilling their own destiny. Um, which is so sad to me because we all come here with something to give to the world and to share with the world. And I was um, with a friend this weekend and I was talking to her about her journey and she was so knowledgeable about, about all the things that she was telling me. And I was like, girl, you've got to start sharing this with the world. Like, because you're holding all of this information inside, but you have a gift to share with, with everyone else. Um, I think if people just shared their gift, um, I don't know. I feel like it would be such a beautiful thing to witness. People would no longer be in fear. Mm. Imagine what the world would be like if each of us spent our days just trying to help the people that we're meant to serve. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, I love that. 
So what are some things that a person who has been living in fear could actively do right now? You know, they could, after listening to this program, start taking action on. Um, do you mind repeating that? I'm sorry. Yeah, some things that people can do right now to begin to start mm -hmm. taking action um, and stop living in fear. Mm. Well, one is basically whatever you put behind I am shapes your reality. So one, I'm actually been journaling during this, um, the last two weeks um, being in quarantine and every day I write on my, in my journal that I am fearless and that I am limitless. So one, by stating that, it, it helps state your, or it helps um, create your reality. So that's, I would say the number one, first and foremost thing people should do is change their affirmations and what they're saying and what's coming out of their mouth because that changes your mindset. Whatever we focus on grows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, other than getting your book, what are some ways that people can connect with you? Um, well, I, right now I'm currently on an active Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm actively on Instagram. I'm actively on Facebook um, and I'm on Twitter. And that's really where I'm at at the moment. And I'm not really sure where this journey is going to lead and take me. Um, I like to say that I am in the harmony flow of life. Wherever, wherever God wants this journey to go is um, I'm following the um, steps that he leads me in every single day. Mm. I love when people are in that place. Such a great way to be. What, um, what other uh, final remarks would you like to share with the listening audience? Mm. Um, if you're feeling trapped, or lost or seeking for more because you know that there's more um, I would encourage you to there was one thing that I talked about a lot in my book was because um, I grew up Pentecostal and I did not know how I felt about religion for a really long time once I became an adult because I didn't really witness a lot of happiness um, in my childhood home and it wasn't said it was sad it was just I don't know we lived in lack we um, my mother wasn't always the happiest girl as a, I don't remember her being very happy whenever she was raising us as children um, which today she's doing so much better but um, what I was gonna say is I would oh so but what I was saying about the religion thing is I started became I became a seeker outside the church because I didn't really know how I felt about religion and because I my thoughts were if that's religion then I don't really want to be a part of that and little did I know some of the verses that I learned whenever I was a child stuck with me as an adult and the number one verse that stuck with me was in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path and I remember being on the treadmill at the gym one morning my husband would drag me there at 4.30 in the morning every day. And I was just going through the motions and I would, that verse kept coming, coming to me while I was on the treadmill every morning. And I was like, that really works. I would love to know that I'm being guided every day. 
So I just started praying and I didn't really know what I was praying for or what even prayer really looked like. And I just started saying, thank you for guiding me today. Thank you for leading my steps today. And I would have to say that that is the number one verse that changed my life. And it was whenever I started asking for guidance that I started to get it. And the other verse was, you have not because you ask not. So I would say those two verses are the number one things that I would leave my audience with. Mm, those are powerful. I appreciate both of those. The book is called I Am Living Heaven on Earth by international bestselling author Melissa Drum. Melissa, thanks so much for spending some time with us on the show today. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for um, taking the time out of your day to take care of this as well. I hope that you either already are living heaven on earth, or if you aren't, that from what we shared here, and even more so from Melissa's book, that you will learn some secrets to be able to powerfully live heaven on earth. That's what I want to do today. I want to give you the tools to live your best life. The tools to live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Don't go away. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. So next, now that we've talked about that inner game, that way to really have peace and heaven on earth in our own lives, now let's move on to some tools that we can use in our daily life. One of the biggest parts is our health. There is so much going on and we really do need effective and powerful tools to help us be able to manage all of the things that are our health life so that we can be the best us we can be in everything that we do. I, I really want to see that for you and I really hope that you want to see that for yourself as well. So you're ready to hear from another great expert? I hope you are. Get ready because here it comes. Especially in these days, your health is so important. But there is so much data behind 
all of the things in your health. And have you ever had, have you ever had a doctor tell you, can you bring me that report from such and such a doctor? Oh, so frustrating. So let's talk a little bit about some of the technological things that are available and advances that are being made. I am joined today by David Korzynski, and he is going to give us some heads up on health and their mission to power the data-driven healthcare revolution. Hey, David, glad to have you here with us. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Grateful to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about you and your background. Yeah, sure. Well, I'm originally from central Canada and have always been in the technology field. Through various career opportunities, I ended up working in the Caribbean for a bit, in the uh, offshore, offshore banking IT world, and then into the United States where I worked with companies pretty much all over the country and landed in Silicon Valley in around 2007. And always a technologist, always using data in my job. My job was to go into companies all over the world and help their computer systems run better. And so as you can appreciate, the first thing I needed was baseline data. How are these systems performing today? Are those performance characteristics in line? Are they too slow? Are they too fast? So everything I did was based on data. And then I developed a health, a health situation. I was 30-something and came to the conclusion I was not as invincible as I thought I was. And I had to really take my own health seriously. And that's where I just realized how absolutely atrocious our healthcare system is when it comes to a person trying to figure out their own health statistics. And I had doctors that I called and one of them sent me my medical records burned on a CD and the CD was password protected and they wrote the password on the CD with a Sharpie. And another one sent me a, a pile of papers in the mail. And the other one I had to log into some portal. And, and these were some of the most important data points in my life. They were my health. I had an issue. This was critical data for me to be able to look at and trend. And that's when I just decided to, to build a, a better mousetrap and make it easier for anybody to solve this problem. Because when you have your oh crap moment, I won't switch Joe, Steve, but whether it's you or a loved one, the first thing you're going to do is, is start getting some records organized. That's like the only source of truth you have. And it's hard. So that's the mission for my company is, is to make information and data available to every individual who needs it. So do you approach it from uh, facilitating healthcare system or are you doing it on an individual by individual basis? Yeah, that's a great question. I think many people are familiar with the concept of tracking their spending habits from all their different banks and credit cards. And there's lots of great websites out there like mint.com, personal capital, you can connect all your bank accounts and it'll show you all your spending and give you nice pie charts. How much did I spend on gas? How much did I spend on eating out? And that gives a lot of power to the individual. We're doing the same thing with health data. So Steve can sign into our system and he can search for his current doctor's office and he can search for all of his prior doctor's offices. And as long as you have 
uh, a login to that doctor's office, which 90% of medical offices have these days, you can create your portal account, just like you create your online bank account. It's exactly the same thing. And we can then synchronize that data into our system. So we can take your current and past providers and essentially organize all that data. And just like the, the, the spending example, we can do the same thing. Well, what has my cholesterol level been over the last five years? I've seen three different doctors since then. So you have that full trend line. You can start to see when values started to go out of range. You can start to make dietary changes and see if that has a corrective impact. And then the other part of it, Steve, is bringing in your lifestyle data. Everybody's familiar with Fitbit and Apple Watch and MyFitnessPal and wireless scales and being able to, to quantify things like sleep and physical activity and nutrition. That's what I call lifestyle data. So we also integrate that information into the system as well. And what we're really trying to facilitate is letting people try different experiments on their health. Hey, I'm going to try the keto diet for six months. I'm going to go vegan for six months. I'm going to try working out every day. So you can measure your lifestyle through the digital health dashboard in our system. And then you can see if that affects your blood test results. So that's the feedback loop inside of our system. Does that answer your question? Absolutely, it does. So what did you do with that one doctor you were talking about that just sent you a whole stack of papers? <laughs> well, this was before I had built Heads Up. So I okay. remember I was, I was with some friends and we were up on a, we took a weekend to go skiing and snowboarding. I was living in California at the time and we rented a cabin up in Lake Tahoe. And I was sitting there on a Sunday and, and the whole weekend just got rained out. It was, it was dumping, but it was too warm. So you couldn't even really uh, snowboard. So I'm like, okay, I just, I brought all that paperwork with me just in case it was a rainy day. And uh, I just sat there uh, on a rainy Sunday and I put it all into an Excel spreadsheet. And keep in mind, I was working on a health issue at the time. So I was pretty motivated to do this. And if anybody's listening and has had a really serious health issue, they've probably got their own spreadsheet. So I'm not a medical person at all, Steve. I'm a, I'm a technologist. So I didn't know what all these blood tests meant, nor do I expect any of our users to know what all these blood tests mean. But I knew the important ones. And I knew what, what direction those numbers needed to go. And as soon as I took all that information from all the doctors and put it in a spreadsheet where I could see all the test results on one row, that's when the light bulb went off. I'm like, wow, my doctor can't even see this kind of detail. Uh, he, he's got, he's got a, a sliver of the data since I've been his patient. And immediately I could see back 15 years onto these blood tests that I was trying to have an impact on. And I could see that these blood tests had been moving in the wrong direction for 10 years. And no doctor in the world would have been able to see that because our healthcare system is so disjointed. And that's when I realized the individual actually now has more data and more insights into their health than the doctor does. Plus, they're the ones who are going to sit there on a rainy Sunday afternoon and do research and figure out, okay, I've got this condition, I've got that condition. What does PubMed say? Let me go on Facebook and find some other people with the same condition. What are they trying? Well, doctors don't have time to do that. And that's not a knock on them. That's just reality. So that's when I realized, wow, people need this data. So that's, that, was, that was kind of the insights I got when I did it for myself. 
and that just further fueled my motivation to build the platform that we've built today. That's, that's awesome. I love it because I know how frustrating it is when the doctor calls you and asks you if you can go to the other doctor to get the data and then bring it to them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I will say this, Steve, we're actually a lot farther ahead than a lot of countries, believe it or not. As as bad as it is with all of the fragmented healthcare systems, in most countries you still can't even access those records online. So, the the first big step forward in this country was something called the High Tech Act, which started around I don't know 2014. Essentially, this was a federal act that essentially incentivized doctors to move from paper records to patient portals. So every doctor in the country was eligible for a nice big fat check if they took all the paper and moved to electronic portals. So that was a huge, massive step forward. Unfortunately, there was a big shortcoming there, which meant we still didn't have a way for all these portals to talk to each other. So we made that first giant leap, but we still have 30,000 portals that don't communicate with each other. But at least systems like mine could electronically connect to those portals and pull the data down and solve that problem on our end, even if the healthcare system at large still had these fragmentation problems. And now just as of late, the HHS at the federal level has now taken it a step further and is now mandating that these systems stop information blocking for patients. And they are now going to be required by law to provide developer APIs for the nerds listening. That just means there's gonna be more access for tech companies to help people get this data organized. If we just leave it to these electronic health records companies, the problem would never be solved. And so there's now more push from the government to solve this mess. So things are only gonna get better, Steve. Perfect, I love it. Um, and, and I love that the approach is to then have folks like yourself just come up with solutions rather than, you know, waiting for the government to create some kind of platform. <laughs> or, or these these electronic health records vendors. I mean, there's not a lot of huge financial incentive for them to solve this problem. No, they're out there selling these huge software implementations to hospitals. The, the interoperability, it's just, it has not been something that I think they would solve any time. They're all competitors. You know what I mean? So it's not like they're sitting there saying, well, how do we go get our biggest competitor to, to play nice with our product? So you have to open it up to disruption through tech. So we're really excited about the possibilities. Yeah. And then, as I said, uh, there's so much incredible technology available for consumers now. And the Apple watch has more sensors on it to quantify your heartbeat, your sleep, your physical exercise, your all, all kinds of parameters. There's continuous glucose monitors on the market now. So it's really easy for people to start measuring their day-to-day -day health. And that's even more powerful. So we're really entering in, into a time where consumers have immense amounts of tools at their disposal for health optimization. So for the person who is ready to uh, put all of their masses of health records into one spot. Um, how do they work with you? Well, you can try our software out for, for free for 30 days. You don't have to put your credit card in. You can just log in and try it out. And you can 
maybe just start by entering a few data points and getting familiar with our system and reading some of our onboarding information and starting to get more comfortable. And if you like it, at the end of the 30 days, you can subscribe. And for most people, this starts to become their, their permanent health portfolio, something that they'll stick with for the long run. And oftentimes, many of our users will then get other family members on board and they'll connect up as a family so that, God forbid, there's some situation, but everybody has access to other, the other family members' records. So start off slow and try it out. We have wonderful customer support. You can just hit the little chat icon inside the app and ask us questions. I, I read every single one of those questions, as does my customer support team. And hopefully it gives you some more power and control over your own health. And that's headsuphealth.com, correct? Yes, sir. That's the website. Yep. All right. Well, I do hope that a bunch of people will jump on that because that is a great opportunity. David, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Yeah, we're grateful for the opportunity, Steve. Thank you. What a great tool. Something that really can help you manage the world of all of your healthcare and effectively know where you are what's going on and how to be able to really keep all of those things in control rather than you know having to have to dash to the doctor last minute to get something because your own doctor can't get it um, really really great way to keep a heads up on your health and something that i really do hope that you will do for yourself and that you will allow yourself to really be able to do so that you have the tools you need to live your best life and to live every day of your life as a thriving entrepreneur. We're gonna take another break and then we'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this, what would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because... It serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. We're talking about tools to live your best life. Um, you know, we talked about some inner stuff. We talked about ways and a tool to help manage your health. And now we're going to hop over to that business side of things and how you can show up powerfully and really share with the world to the people that you're really meant to serve. And in order to do that, you need to do something that's called SEO. 
SEO stands for search engine optimization and that really just has to do with when somebody types in Google or other search engine that what comes up is your information. You have that answer for them. Now you just need help and strategies to be able to really truly reach those peoples whose lives you can impact and make a difference in. And SEO is such a powerful tool for all of the things that you do in your business that I just really felt like we needed to dive into this one too as part of this show. So are you ready? All right, let's jump into it. The concept of SEO is something that we hear spoken about, but a lot of times, especially small businesses, either don't understand it or they fall into the trap of somebody helping them that really isn't helping them. So today we want to get you an expert to be able to talk about how to powerfully make SEO work in your business. Join me in welcoming John Vogan. How are you today, John? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do in the world. Perfect. So um, I started a company in 2013 called Local SEO Search. My main goal and purpose is really to equip business owners with um, some knowledge, information, education on really uh, the ability to position themselves as experts and the thought leaders in their industry domain and local market, right? So the focus is really to um, elevate your organic listing through the maps or below the maps so that you can generate organic traffic to your site that will eventually lead to um, more clicks, more sales, and more phone calls or purchases and inquiries to, to business owners' websites. So your emphasis with letting people know that you're an expert is uh, do that in your local community first, at least. Exactly. So dominate your um, local marketplace. Once you're known as the expert within that regional space, then you can expand to more, um, you know, state level or national level, right? But first, you need to dominate your own domain. Focus on really being that expert and people knowing to come to you for that specialty, right? Um, so once you are that, then people will acknowledge you to, and it allows you to scale further. So what about people that, um, you know, work from home, work virtually, does that still work for them? Definitely. So with people that are home-based virtual, um, we do deal with a, quite a few um, local business owners that are service-based or product-based experts. Um, and they are home-based as well, right? So they worked in shared office spaces and they really are growing like a gig economy. They are a, a real business. How do they get in front of their ideal customers? And the, the idea of being positioned online on Google where people are now searching and spending more time than ever today um, with the crises and everything going on, you just want to be known out there as that expert. So how do you do that, right? Like what we do is we make it easy for business owners. We equip them with a full service offering for SEO, which includes content development, like the on-page 
off-page uh, fixes, as well as link building, social engagement, reputation management. There's a lot to it, but we make it easy for business owners that don't understand how to do it. We actually do it for them. So what is, uh, you know, what is some of the steps? What are some of the things that a person who really hasn't ever established themselves as an expert should be doing? Yeah, so what I typically advise people to do is build and own your own website first and foremost. What I mean by that is um, do not, like I understand people um, are just starting, but if you want to be taken serious, you want to own your own name, you want to own your own website, and I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners understand WordPress as a theme, right? Theme-based platform where you can make changes yourself. So own your own name, own your own website, and therefore you have the ability to make a lot of the backend um, adjustments that Google wants you to do, right? The second thing to do is create and uh, set up your Google Search Console and also Google Analytics. It, this allows you to let Google know that um, all your pages can be indexed and they'll actually acknowledge when there's errors as well. So it allows you to see and become more transparent as to what's going on in terms of your back end pages to see if it's actually indexed or not. Setting up your schema and sitemap, et cetera. Then the third thing is owning your Google My Business page. So um, I, I'm sure people understand that map. It's very important today, more than ever, to establish yourself, own it, create it, start optimizing it with images, menus if you're a restaurant, um, service offerings, understanding which category to put yourself in, answering some Q&A, and also uploading some real images if you have a storefront or not. And then, of course, you can also start getting some reviews once you are more established and you can generate um, more of the reputation aspect. So those three are definitely what I would suggest every starting entrepreneur um, who are just looking to get going. Then, of course, the, the ongoing basis of building content out to your, on, on your website so that your audience members can really see that you're active. So engage in positioning yourself as the expert by writing in-depth, um, attracting attractive topics, headlines, and content with depth um, for your audience members, right? And keep it consistent. So there's a lot of things that can get you some traction uh, where then you can then leverage yourself. So um, just to clarify, when you say own your own domain name, um, you know, because small businesses especially are assailed by uh, companies like Wix and other ones like that that will help you build a website. Can you explain why that isn't owning your own domain name and what the problem with those are? Yeah, so Wix, Squarespace, and I would even say GoDaddy Website Builder. Um, the, the issue is when you're competing with a very competitive uh, and you're, say you're in a fairly competitive marketplace. Um, you don't have full access, admin access, to make adjustments on that website because what they do is they're, they basically own your website. You don't own the website itself. 
So you don't have admin access to actually do what's required to actually compete with people that actually own their own website. So first off, you have to be on the same playing field, right? And once you're on the same playing field, then you can focus on building yourself up and your authority, such as on page and off page. And I would, I, I forgot to mention link building, and that's very important as well, which is getting other people's websites to link back to your website. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, we could probably go on for the next hour with just all the horror stories we've heard about, you know, people who thought they owned their website, but really didn't. <laughs> yeah, and that's the, this whole industry um, is jaded by a lot of um, people that deceive. There's a lot of deception because business owners are busy operating and running their own business. They trust others to do what they say they're going to do. The challenge is everyone overpromises and under delivers, right? Because they they don't know what is actually involved in the back end to make it happen. So at our agency, we're very transparent and we actually educate people. We do audits. We un let, uncover what is going on in the industry, in the main keywords and target markets that their main competitors are actually ranking, and possibly even letting them know what they've done so that we can position their business to compete directly with their competitors. So understanding and making it very transparent to the world and the competitor in uh, those business owners allows us to um, build that trust relationship with business owners. So many things in that, but the thought that came to me is how does a person then decide who should they put their trust in? So again, there's a lot of things just like running a business. You have a gut instinct if they're actually good people or not. Are they partners for you in the long term or are they really just salespeople, right? Um, so what we advise people to do is shop around, let people find out who would be a good fit and a good partner with them. Right? We don't rush people to make a decision. We don't overpromise. We basically let people make their own decisions. Reputation is key. Case studies are key. But really, you need to uncover and educate yourself at least a little bit to, so that you are not deceived in this industry. Like if you're planning on using an SEO agency. Gives us a perfect opportunity to be able to give some really actionable things for people. What are some things that people should do to educate themselves so that they then know they're making the right decision? Where are Definitely. The Definitely. So that's a really good question. Um, usually, if people are reaching out to agencies, um, people on the other end want to help. SEO is a very interesting. Um, service right and if they are doing good they actually care they want to help you understand the ones that are selling you right off the bat and, and guaranteeing you results those are the ones i would stay away from um, i would say start looking at webinars learning a little bit some of the language regarding like what is a backlink what does uh, title tags, HTML, you know, description tags, H1 tags really mean, 
right? How do you set up your sitemap schema? There's a lot of things that you should really just understand. And also there's resources such as uh, Moz, uh, Search Engine Journal, Search Engine Land, and then there's tons of other business-related tools that actually support this whole industry. Um, that Because unless you are in it, it might be fairly overwhelming. So I would start off with going on YouTube, learning a little bit in terms of basics, or just joining some webinars that are usually free to educate yourself a little bit more on the subject so that you're not deceived from any vendor. Perfect. Uh, so John, for somebody who wants to go deeper with you, how can they get in contact with you? So there's a couple ways. Uh, you can check out our website. It's called localseosearch.ca. We also have a podcast called Local SEO Today, which is we're educating business owners on advertising, marketing, and how to run an effective business so that, for instance, what's going on in today's world and the challenges that people have to embrace themselves and pivot, um, they are ready for what is ahead of them, right? Prepare themselves, own the list, figure out how you can take advantage of opportunities when there's a downturn in the economy. Um, and then of course, you can definitely reach out to us directly, right? Um, you can find me um, on social media, local SEO search as the company, um, and reach out to us. We're here to help. We're always trying to do good and we, we want to educate and impact and work with people that actually have the same mindset as us, which is trying to serve the community with good content, services, products, um, so that everyone is living a better life. John, thank you for your spirit and for, uh, you know, just really being here to help the listeners today. Thank you so much, Steve, for having me. I really hope that you will embrace and use SEO in all you're doing. For those of you that are authors, you need to understand, Google is a search engine for people who are looking for information. Amazon ultimately is a search engine for people who are looking to buy things. Um, so even in that realm, you need to understand how to optimize what you're doing. And more than anything else, you wanna make sure that you're using the words that the people that you're trying to reach are using. If you, here's a perfect example for you. Um, you know, the word car versus automobile. Um, in the United States, uh, you know, we refer to them as cars. You know, and if you registered your domain name, like the domain name cars.com, that would make total sense. If you are using the word car and you are mostly talking to an audience in other countries, um, you know, you end up in a situation where they're not searching for car. They're searching for auto or automobile. And, um, you know, you're never going to reach them. So you're totally missing your audience because you're not using the word that they use to do that search. It's very, very powerful tool to understand what people are searching for, what words they're using. Um, and a lot of times the best approach to that is just simply to have and use an expert 
to help you be able to get across that finish line and really get done powerfully, um, you know, that optimization for all of those different, most of the things that you want to show up on, um, they are search engine optimization based. Um, and so uh, I look forward to hearing from some of you, hashtag thriving entrepreneur, um, you know, the things that you've done. I want to take these last few minutes here and I want to leave you feeling inspired and encouraged because giving you the tools to be the best you, I love doing that. I love bringing the guests to you. But the first thing you have to do is you have to embrace how amazing you are. You have to understand you are incredible. There are gifts within you that are so powerful and they do need to be shared with the world. So that's number one. Number two is you have to understand those gifts aren't for you, not really. They're for the people that you can use them for. It's kind of like I always talk about money. Money is a great tool, but unless you're Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, unless you're Uncle Scrooge from DuckTales and you're swimming around in your money, I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that money is a tool to help you be able to do the things you want to do in the world. The same thing is true with the tool that is your gift. It's there so that you can do that thing that you're meant to do in the world, whether that be pray for somebody, building things, creating things, inventing things, speaking from stages, or of course, your book. All of those things are things you need to deeply and completely embrace and then do and share out into the world because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs, needs you. I want you to understand how powerful you are. And then I want you to, number two, share that powerful gift that is you with the world. Will you please do that? Whether it be a book or a speech or just being nice to your neighbor, share your message with the world today. Use that tool that is your gift to show up in the world and to live every day as a thriving entrepreneur. Until next time, I hope that you are blessed and that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. 
now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today.